nostalgia, memories, growing up in Central Florida in the 1990s. What a bunch of sappy crap. It's the Sappy Crap Podcast. Starring Steve Bauman and Jarman Day. Welcome to the Sappy Crap Podcast, where the names are changed, where the stories are real. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. That's right. The stories are real, or at least how our dusty brains remember them after all this time. At this point, they're just old farts like us. <laughs> Pretty much. Our memories are old farts like us. That's true. Just old farts. And this episode, we're going to talk about something that we uh, have enjoyed for several years now. So it still goes in the sappy crap like category. A decade. Yeah. Not a few years. A decade. Which is uh, tabletop role-playing games, TTRPGs, as they ca- kids call it these days. Yeah, they used to be relocated to to nerds who rolled dice and slayed dragons back in like original D&D and D&D advanced days. But now it's become much more mainstream with the popularity of things like Critical Role uh, and tons and tons of RPG play podcasts and YouTube streams and Twitch. Um, it's really kind of come into a new forefront. And I would say a big part of that, making it into the main zeitgeist of people thinking it's okay and cool is uh, Stranger Things actually kind of brought uh, it back. Definitely part of it. Because uh, it was a big mainstream show where they showed kids in the 80s playing um, Dungeons and Dragons in their basement together. And I uh, first, I want to ask you, Steve, how many times you've had to explain to normies uh, or muggles out there like what D&D is and having to explain, no, it's not demon magic. It's not something crazy. Like okay, I have never met anyone who is crazy enough. And I might even, that's because I've only ever played it in my adult life. Yeah. I have never once met anyone who's been like, it's demon magic. I've never met one of those people. <laughs> right. I've never had to defend it to anybody in that regard. We weren't in the, explain it. We weren't in the eighties explaining it. Like where it was, people thought During it was the, demons. The, yeah. Like the, the devil panic. And all that. Um, I've been more of like, it's crazy over the top nerd, nerd stuff. And I'm like, no, really isn't that crazy over the top nerdy. It's like, it's nerdy, but it's like, it's just mixing board games with some acting. That's basically all it is. It's yeah, that's a good way to put it. It, It's there's always, I, I always try to stress that there's a little bit of something for everybody. If you really like to be tactical and mechanic driven, there's stuff for that. Especially in D and D, not all systems catered all these things. Yeah, kind of like you you're playing a board, like a, play. like you're playing a video game. You can play it like a video game, or you can play it like an improv game. You can kind of do both. Um, but yeah, a little bit of everything for everybody. And there's rules, which really helps people to wrap their mind around things because they're like, "Well, how will this resolve?" And I go, "It doesn't matter. There's rules for it." Yeah, and to, you'll to, roll, and the DM will tell you. To kind of explain how to people who don't know what D&D or any kind of tabletop role playing game is, it's like there usually is one person who is the game master or dungeon master, they call it with D&D in particular, where that person is kind of running the game for everyone else. And they're running the the other the non-player characters. They're making the story unfold and you're all players in that story. And it's up to the dungeon master or, or game master to kind of facilitate that story and you tell them what you want to do in that story and they they tell you how that works out when you make those decisions um and you roll dice to see if you succeed at what you want to do or or if you fail uh that's kind of the general idea am i getting that right basically yeah my, my take on the dm is that uh the dm is not meant to be a god holding the fabric of reality together they're they to be a judge to ensure that the natural order of things happens. That makes sense. 
And I think right. you're on not top of that, there to decide how reality occurs. You're there to to make judgments and give some direction. And to the main goal I've read in so many like or watched a lot of videos, the game master is supposed to make sure that players are having fun. That's kind of the idea, too. It's like if and by making people have fun, it usually includes making sure people are following the rules enough so that people don't get upset. Um, there's a lot of jobs that Dungeon Master has to do to make sure that people are all having fun equally. Because like Steve said, people are coming to the game with different interests. They might want to play for different reasons. So you have to make sure they all kind of play well together. Um, yeah, and like any collaborative art form, exactly. there's a balance to it in that, um, you know, if you get now, I understand that like it's important to have make sure your players have fun, but they can't have fun at the expense of the game, if that makes sense. If you always bend to the will of your players and always let them do whatever they want all the time, it's going to lead to no conflict. And that will lead to some people not having fun, which is kind of like the balance you have to make, you know? Well, yeah, and overcoming obstacles and and coming up with creative solutions to things or just sometimes just killing stuff is the fun of the game. And if you don't put obstacles there, then why are you playing? Yeah, exactly. That kind of makes it fun that you're actually achieving a goal and getting the objectives done in the game. Um, but it, it's uh, when were you first introduced to a uh, tabletop role playing game? I mean, I was aware of Dungeons and Dragons as it was sure. really much part of the culture of, and especially since we were kind of nerds in high school, I knew of it. But I can legitimately say I didn't know anybody who played it. That's the weird part is that I think you and I would have enjoyed it a whole hell of a lot when we were growing up together, but we just never were introduced to it in a way that we were playing it. We knew about it, like you said, but we never were playing it. And I'm so surprised by that to this day that we weren't introduced to it earlier, but we just didn't have people running games or and we had such nerdy friends and we just didn't do it and we would have loved it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but my first real interaction was a game that you got me invited to that we played remotely, mm-hmm. uh, Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 edition. Yeah, which was run by uh, a great, a great GM, Cameron. I'm fine to use his real name because he was real good, and he was also a guest on one of our early A Play on Nerds podcast, wow, like, like episode 12 or something back in the day. He was way on back, uh, and. It was maybe I'm not going to say it wasn't the best first experience, but looking back at it and having the hindsight of the knowledge I have now to join a campaign midway through having never played any RPG before, let alone the system. Yeah. And then having to create like a level 10 or 11 character from scratch Mm -hmm. in what in retrospect is a very complex system with so many choices and rules and like 3.5. By the time you get all the compendium stuff, there's like 400 feats. And that's the thing, folks, if you don't know about this, is that these games can last years if you want them to, because these campaigns can keep on going. And a lot of these systems have books upon books upon books that are released with all sorts of rules that add on and add new creatures and uh, characters you can play. And so, Steve came into a campaign that had probably been going on for at least a year. Um, And it was with me and my friends who lived in different places, Boston and uh, Atlanta or wherever we were at that time. And he joined in and was like, what the fuck's going on? (laughs) (laughs) But you you made it work, except you died a bunch of times. Oh, my God. So that brings me to what was going to be my opening question. What is the first character you ever made for a tabletop role-playing game? First character ever made? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, that had to have been in, in uh, college when I first played. And it was with those guys that you eventually played with online. We played in okay. person. 
uh, except for Cameron. He didn't go to school with us. Um, and we played pretty fast and loose, but they had all the books. Like it was, they're all in paper because there weren't PDFs and stuff back then. That wasn't a thing um, <laughs> when AOL days were a thing. Oh yeah. Um, and I made probably, if I remember correctly, I liked old wizards. So I probably made an old wizard to be my first character, which is not a good first character because magic they're users super squishy and, and magic com- users complicated back in that system like you had to look up all your spells and stuff it's not a good first character to do you well, want to like a and, fighter or something and not only that cantrips didn't exist yet so you had a certain amount of spell slots and that was it yeah and it was so it was complicated it was also you're kind of done if you, if you blow all your load early on um but i just like the idea of playing like oh the wizard and crazy you know like i always get into character and do voices for all my characters and stuff so it's it's that's how i do it so do you remember your first character that you did yeah it was for the, that campaign mm-hmm. and i designed a sorcerer <laughs> uh who is in hindsight just so squishy just so so killable human in, in hindsight i don't even remember maybe a half elf or something right uh, and he was super squishy and I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't understand any of the mechanics yet. And I had way too much stuff to pick at level 12. It was just insane. Yeah. It's pretty and, high level in this game. Uh, I remember Cameron worked to, to make me like a custom magic item that I literally never got. To, I got to use like one time before he died. And as Jara <laughs> mentioned, um, I had a lot of very quick succession learning curve things with this first campaign in that I think I went through four or five characters in not that many sessions with deaths with deaths <laughs> uh, and so this wizard was the first that the the sorcerer was the first of those deaths and part of it and this also another first was my first time dealing with like another player I just didn't like mm. And I think his name was Chris. Yes. It's such a generic name that I'm not worried about sharing. It. No, it's fine. He's his not, name was he has Chris. no online presence whatsoever. So it's fine. <laughs> um, and from what I heard from both Cameron and you, he was a good guy and a good guy to play with. Uh, no, good guy is true. Not good guy to play with. Okay. Cause I had heard like, Oh, he's had other characters that were fine. Um, but he came in and made this, what now I would know is termed a lawful, stupid paladin. <laughs> A paladin that is so righteous, it is to the detriment of himself and the entire group. <laughs> I must do right at all times. And we were in some sort of caves underground, and we got we we ended up getting into a fight with some guys, and it was pretty hairy. And he decided he didn't care, and his character was going to press on <laughs> into this dungeon. And he woke up a hydra. And let it straight to us. <laughs> Which so are we, terrible, we came, terrifying creatures. <laughs> we came out of this fight that we barely survived because guess what? Our main tank wasn't there because he ran off to do whatever. <laughs> We're all like half health. He comes out and there's a Hydra there. And then this is where my just lack of knowledge of the system came into play. I didn't take any movement because I didn't understand what was going to happen. Like I didn't get it. I had no reference to what the monster was. <laughs> And so I stood there and Karen's like, so no movement. And I was like, nah, I guess I just stand. Like, I've already used my attack. Like, what else am I going to do? And he goes, okay, well, since you're the only one the Hydra can see, all nine of its heads shoot fireballs at you. <laughs> I remember that. And he like rolled and he's like, seven of them hit. <laughs> and each one does 3d8 damage. And so like, I took 21d8 damage and was just gone. Was just gone. <laughs> obliterated. Of this, this idiot. <laughs> 
So uh, I, I I have to tell a side story about this. That guy, Chris, um, great guy. In, uh, we were roommates in college. Um, he was ethnically ambiguous looking, even though he was Italian. So he had that kind of olive colored skin where he could have been anything. And he decided to go join the uh, the police force. Initially did an internship with them. We were in college. He tried to learn Arabic. He was going to join the military uh, because he was very valuable in the sense that he was in college. He was uh, – he would be an officer right out of college. See, I thought he was in the military. And then he did, join, he did join the military yeah. as far as we knew. And we don't know what happened to that because he dropped out of all social media. He's still to this day not on any social media. I have not been in touch with him for years because he's just gone. And so our theory is – me and my buddies from college that were friends with him is that he's in some spec ops thing that we'll never understand. And, and he's just gone. He's he's. We see his wife occasionally on social media, and he has he has a couple kids, but he is just gone to the wind. So that guy. Yeah, the next you. time you see him, he'll open a, his first Facebook account at like forty four. Yeah, he'll be and retired. It'll be like finally retired. Will be the first post <laughs> from the paper company. That's what he'll say. Yeah, man. 30 years working for the census. Yeah, that was, and he's like currently buff and like knows four languages. <laughs> but anyways, uh, and I, I think I, my, I don't, I didn't die very much in most of my campaigns, but uh, Steve asked me earlier today, think about like your character deaths. Your um, best character death. Yeah. And like probably the best one is not quite a death, but one of my favorite groups I'm in, um, I played this really promiscuous female sorceress uh, named Luvana. And she would try to seduce everything and anything that she came into contact with. That was her like because she was because sorcerers are have a high charisma uh, for their other powers. They do. Um, and she was very you know, boobalicious. And so, but she was also she was playing a game of this game called uh, with cards of many uh, or cards of many things. I think it's called uh, the deck of many things. Deck of many yeah. things. Yes. And if people who play D and D a lot will know, this is a very dangerous deck to play with because the card you you pull up could give you a random. Some of them are great. Some of them are fantastic. Well, you'll be a permanent bonus to your stats. Like cool. Some and of them are like a void opens up and you fall into a pit of death. And that kind of what has happened to me. So I got like a two, I got a plus two bonus to like two of my stats. I'm like, holy crap, I'm going to keep playing. <laughs> so because that was her personality. She was a gambler. She was audacious. And the next card came up and a portal opened up and sucked me in. And the DM took me to the other room because the players weren't going to know what happened to me. I just disappeared into this void. And he told me that I was going to be sucked into this dimension where I'd be fighting this um, demon for all of eternity. <laughs> wow. And it was a demon that had like a hole for a body, like a mouth for a body that would be like trying to constantly suck me and eat me. And I had to be fighting it for as long as I could possibly live. Um, and they never found me. So I was just gone forever. Um, the fun part was we, we played another campaign years, a couple of years later where they went to another dimension and I had escaped and I was an NPC at that point. <laughs> so, but the nice. new, the new players didn't know who I was, but the players knew who I was, but like the character, their characters didn't know who I was, but I was like all powerful now. And I had come out, I had defeated the demon and escaped the dimension. Um, but technically my player died. I, I had to make a new character because my character was just gone from that dimension. <laughs> uh, I had something kind of similar. Uh, I was in, uh, it was a five E campaign, like a homebrew sort of deal. And there, there's this evil sorceress. There's always an evil sorceress. Yeah. There's like one of those classic tropes. And I remember she had some sort of magic item that was like all powerful. And we, and she invited us to meet her. Mm. And we were interested in this magic item for some reason. I can't quite remember. 
and she was all high and mighty. And so I kind of bluffed because I was like a high charisma character. I was a cleric, uh, like a cleric bard, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, and so I start, we don't know what this thing does. So she, she starts talking about her power. I'm like, well, you don't seem that all powerful to me, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, would you like a demonstration of my power? And I went, yeah, sure. Go ahead. And she like snapped her fingers and I, and a fissure opened up in the floor and I was just gone. Oh, <laughs> no chance to save. The group had no chance to do anything. I was just gone. Wow. And like later on, I ended up, so she, this was her first time DMing and she ended up, she ended up asking me a lot of advice as we went. And I said, how about you and I just workshop as we go mm-hmm. and I'll like mentor you through this and help you. And so she like came to realize that was like just a very bad morale kick in the nuts move <laughs> for the group and everybody <laughs> the involved group, to just take the healer and just be like, it is gone. <laughs> but for like the final session or maybe the last two uh we ended up having to like dive into the pits of hell and so then they find my old character chained up to a wall that's (laughs) hilarious he's been like captured in hell all this time (laughs) (laughs) that's great when they do a callback you know that's yeah so you got to make a cameo and do a little healy stuff nice right at the end well that's funny because i had a cleric uh turtle which is a turtle person and he was a um asexual by by uh by amorous but asexual uh turtle that was the the thing he could fall in love with any gender but he didn't have sex but then they okay. kept making the joke they're like you realize that turtles have a cloaca right <laughs> which is basically the cloaca comes in the, into effect later but cloaca where they they go to the bathroom and have sex through the same organ and it's all yeah one thing yeah it's great it's great uh so anyways what I reptiles have it and I rolled a, a one when we were doing this cave collapse thing and I didn't save. So I rolled a one. And so he basically they had to kill me. Um, and so but they decided to take pity on me because everyone loved my character because he was like, hey, guys, I'm the turtle cleric. And I was just so lovable. Everyone liked me that they didn't want to kill me. But they had to roll for a, uh, they rolled on the die uh, of body parts die. Have you seen one of those? No, it's a fun injury die you can use where you roll this this die and has all different body parts on it. Uh, you lost your cloaca and they put the crotch one landed. And so I lost my cloaca. <laughs> <laughs> so like, OK, he's not dead, but your, your cloaca is gone. <laughs> my God, Jesus. Uh, so that happened. In a, this is what can happen in a D&D game. <laughs> Do you have any characters that started as one thing and ended to something completely different? Uh Usually not by fault of my own. Um, I remember one guy who I was making a very a moral um, – he was a former guard of the town and he was he was about to retire. And this is how I explained he was a level one character even though he was so old and experienced is that he was just a guard his whole life. But he's very grizzled, very good at his job and he goes out to adventure with them as like um, – I think like a paladin. Um, and I thought he'd be this good guy. And I said we were in the, the, the forest talking to the fae. And I gave a compliment of how attractive this young Faye was. And but she she was of age and everything, but she was very short. And for some reason that became a thing that he was this creeper who liked very short women. <laughs> nice. and so he goes from being this honorable guard to being this creeper. And so I just kind of embraced it from then on. I was just like, Yeah, I'm Dick Graves, former guard, and man, I love me some halflings. Oh, God, so hot. <laughs> so that's what it became. Nice. <laughs> what about you? Um, the two I can think of is one was a dungeon world character mm. uh, whose name was Augie, Ogren Zog. 
We went by Augie and he was like a big half orc orc with these huge bulging arms, like the classic tusk sticking out. Like, hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> like kind of the orcs from like Warcraft 2, kind of. But yeah, a little bit so more so. Like, hey, uh, yeah, but not quite that far. I pulled it back. So it was just a little human. Oh, uh, hey, uh, where can I find? Uh, uh, um, and so <laughs> he was supposed to be the muscle. But he was also really dumb. Like, that's how I played him. I played him as dumb. So because of that, he had no candor. So, like, <laughs> I remember we went to a town. And they're like, oh, we got to find this guy. How are we going to find him? We could ask around in the tavern. Blah, blah. And I go, is there anyone seem to be in charge here? Oh, yeah, there's a foreman of, the, like, the lumber town. I walk up and like, oh, hey, excuse me, sir. Hi, I'm Augie. And these are my friends. Oh, we're looking for a guy. I was wondering if you knew him. And, like, the GM was so taken aback. <laughs> <laughs> by this and then like i rolled good on a charisma roll which is by chance and like pulled it off and we got what we needed without having to be conniving or insane i just literally walked up and asked somebody and i just kept this up to the point where i just redirected all my stats into charisma <laughs> after designing this guy to be the muscle a charismatic barbarian basically right, right and and i used him to no end just being like this sweet lovable idiot <laughs> who just had a way with people <laughs> he's like he was a tough john c Riley. oh uh, yeah <laughs> I, I do i did do a wrestler character that was basically john c Riley. because <laughs> he's so lovable <laughs> well that's, uh, i'm gonna wreck it <laughs> i'm wreck it. so there's a big thing too of having toxic players in your group so it's if it's a social activity, so there's always somebody in the group who can be a little bit like either annoying or just actually being actively toxic. Um, and what's like your maybe your biggest example of that, you think? Um, Chris was my first example. I was my first encounter with a toxic player who like didn't like it's it's it was almost like he didn't come to play the game with us. And he wasn't necessarily being come to play a game on his own about that, but he did it by I think almost did it by accident and he was just really bad yeah but he wasn't was like, yeah, just chaotic stupid like like right lawful stupid um but i've been very lucky in that i avoid those players and now that i'm a dm i can really feel them out a lot better uh one I, two come to mind from when i've dm'd one was a guy named lance we'll call him <laughs> Uh, and he worked with me and we found each other through like a work group sort of thing. And we needed two new players and I invited two new people. And one of them ended up being great. And it's someone I still play with. And then there was Lance. Um, <laughs> he designed the most like shadowy, like emo Lord character. Like it was almost a caricature. They call them edge lords, I think. Yeah, in, like in the edge game. lords. This is just the most edge lord character that you can imagine. He was like an ex soldier who was a shock trooper who was sent in to destabilize governments. But then, <laughs> on one of his missions, the sky turned red and all of his men were killed. And then when he came to, he was dead. But then death wouldn't take him. <laughs> So now he's cursed to wander the world. And I was like, oh, my God, dude. You're so cool, bro. You're so cool. Oh, (laughs) God. And so he has this whole backstory that he basically, like, pimps me out to explain. And then he, like, could not make a good choice when it came to getting along with the group. Mm. And I'm all with being an asshole if you're the group's asshole. (laughs) Right. You become a tool for the group. When the group needs an asshole, you can fill that. But don't be an asshole to the group. That doesn't help the game at all. Yeah, it doesn't help. And my favorite example was 
there was they, they were on a ship and they had just gone through this really terrible thing and it and uh the druid was trying to catch a seagull because she wanted like a familiar basically like a pet yeah and she screwed up her role she just had a really bad role and so he's like can i try it and i was like oh he's gonna catch it for her how nice that's really nice. <laughs> no. <laughs> he caught it and killed it in front of her. Oh, the druid. God. So already this was like, come on, dude. <sighs> okay. And we moved on and it was like the next session and they went to town. They had like a shopping day kind of thing. Yeah. And so he went and he like bought a pheasant and then cooked it and then gave it to her. What? As an apology for killing the bird. Okay. And I was like, what is, what? No, stop. <laughs> what are you stop. doing? <laughs> stop. I'm okay with edgy characters and dark characters as long as they, as long as they change. Right. Or, or just trying to be the guy who doesn't trust somebody because then after a few adventures, when you start to trust the group, that's how you develop a character. That's an arc right there. Right. <laughs> Where you do something completely out of character because you finally trust the group. Mm-hmm. That's great. But just to do the same stupid thing over and over again or pick the edgiest, dumbest thing every time. Because then uh, it would be in character for the rest of the group not to be with you in a group anymore. <laughs> you know, like it would make sense for them to drop you. Oh, well, I mean, I had a, one group that I got to join, which was a situation where it was kind of like where Steve joined our group that had been playing for a year. These guys have been playing for two or three years in the same campaign. Holy totally they were all, They were level 17 when I joined. Dude, that's legit. So the reason I found out was they were um, work, their dungeon master. This guy worked for Paizo. And if you don't know what Paizo is, Paizo is the people who make Pathfinder. And Pathfinder are basically people who some people worked for D&D um, and some people who just didn't like how D&D was working. They basically made D&D 3.75 and branched off in their own company and called it Pathfinder. So they made this whole new campaign. Um, but this guy worked for Paizo to he would take modules that were made these like campaigns that were made for D&D and he would officially through Paizo uh, convert them into the Pathfinder system. So he was, That's cool. he was paid to do that. Um, it was a side job, but it was still something he enjoyed doing. So he was very good, knew all the lore, all the history, all the rules off the top of his head. Um, he was kind of on the spectrum kind of dude, um, but very cool and very friendly and very fun. But then the people I was with in the group, there was one toxic guy um, and they decided to start a new campaign after that, that level 20 campaign finally ended. And since I was the new guy, they said every time a new person joins our crazy group that's been around for 10 years, we make a campaign based around them. So they were going to make a campaign based around me as a player. And so they told me to make a character and the whole thing's based around my storyline. And I was like, okay, cool. What they didn't tell me is that these guys were all into anime and they were really into these like um, love story animes where like all these girls are kind of like it's like teen dating animes kind of thing. As kind of a right, joke. Like you do. And so basically the whole time, the mission was for each of the players to seduce me so I fell in love with them and would not in a relationship with them. But they didn't tell me that. And so they kept getting frustrated at the fact that I wasn't uh, returning their affections and kept focusing on the mission of like killing the bad guy. And so that was already there. And then the one really toxic guy, no matter what game we were playing – Whenever I would do something, he's like, oh, your character wouldn't do that. You would do this. 
no, 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 no. Do this, do this, do this. And I was like, no, no, I don't want to do that. He's like, no, no, you wouldn't do that. Here, have him roll for this. He would say that every single time I tried to do anything. So that was the most frustrating thing in the entire way. He undermined every decision I made and told me I was doing it wrong. I was making a dumb choice. I was like, let me be my fucking character. And then finally, I find out at the end of the campaign that they were all pissed at me because I was not picking them or choosing one of them to fall in love with. I'm like, what? That wasn't what I signed up for. <laughs> so yeah. I eventually left that group. I did not. I didn't sign up to fulfill your waifu fantasies. Exactly. It was a little weird. We we're all dudes. There's not a single girl in that entire group. Um, I did not pick the body pillow race. <laughs> exactly. So then I join a group that has three girls in it and I'm like, okay, this is so much better when there's not just a bunch of dudes hanging around being weirdos. Um, but yeah, I think, I think a lot of your groups have at least one girl in them, which is kind of nice. Yeah. And we actually just picked up a second for my other, every other Sunday group. And I specifically said like, if anyone knows any women that want to join, we could use some diversity. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, uh, but yeah. So another, another toxic one. And this is one is a DM that I, that I, the first player I ever kicked out. Oh yeah, Never. that did happen. Um, sh- we'll call her Kimmy. Mm-hmm. And Kimmy and I had played together in a different campaign, which is how we met. And she was really tough to play with. Like even as a player, she made really weird choices, and not to say stupid choices, and not even suboptimal, but choices that made almost no sense. Very odd choices. Very odd. I choices. played with her a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then even when she did play. About 50% of the time, she was completely aloof. 25% of the time, she was totally into it. The other 25%, she was like almost hostile (laughs) towards every decision that the DM made or every call a DM made. And as a player, this didn't, you know, it wasn't my problem. But then when I started DMing for it, it became my problem. Yep. And I remember she had like an ongoing health issue, which was fair, like, you know, your life is your life. Yeah. And I remember she canceled one week. And when I asked her why, she's like, well, I've been in bed all, all weekend because of blank, because of health issue. And she's like, and I've got a lot of laundry to do. And I'm like, what? We played for three hours on a Sunday night. You can go and put a load in <laughs> yeah, and then come back and play or fold laundry. Like I didn't, I, I was like, this isn't a real hurdle. This is something you're making up. Right. Like, I don't doubt that you've been in bed all week or like this medical issue, but your reason for saying you can't be there is completely bunk. Her real problem was being honest about what was really going on. Right. right. And that's fair. It is. Yeah. Which, mind you, it felt extra weird for her to like share this deeply personal medical thing with me and then be like, I can't play because laundry. Yeah. And then make up a uh, different reason. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> um, and so she like missed one week. And that's fair. Like, no, cancels happen. Sure. And then the next week, I, I like did a check in the uh, like on a, on Monday. Didn't say anything. Didn't say anything. Didn't say anything. Finally, like Friday, we play on Sunday. She finally chimes in and she goes, uh, I may or may not be able to make it. And I was like, when will you know? Mm-hmm. And she and so she says, well, my my a friend of mine really wants to play uh, like the Jackbox games. And so that's either going to be Saturday or Sunday. And if it's Sunday, I won't be there. And I was like, what? You know, we play like, you know, the schedule. It's not a priority for her. Right. right. And then and so then she came back. She's like, hey, we're doing it Saturday so I can be there. And I texted her. off. I texted her. And so I felt shitty, like as the DM. And then I got texts from two of my other players mm-hmm. saying that they felt that that was shitty. 
Right. And so I was like, okay, it's no longer just me. So I, I asked her, I said, if, if the thing had been on Sunday, would you have skipped? And she was like, yeah. And I said, okay, you're out. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I don't expect this to be your number one priority in life. Stuff happens, but that I do not have time. <laughs> this is, I said to my group, cause I addressed it afterwards. I do not have time in my life as a father of two with a full-time job to plan for people that don't plan to be here. Right. I don't have time for that. And it'd be different if it was like, oh, well, my sister, who I never get to talk to, wants to play Jackbox games. And I need I need to prioritize her. I haven't seen her in so long. Yeah, she wants to do it online or through Zoom. And I ha- I'll have to miss Sunday if she's going to be able to play. That would be like a, you see why the Jackbox games was important. Right. right. Or if it was time specific. Or I've got right. friends in town or anything. But no, it was like this buddy of mine. Yeah. Who lives in town, really wants to play. That's not a big deal. So, yeah. And I was like, no. We aren't a priority. And then I remember she she like texted me this tirade of like, well, I'm sorry I didn't make you feel important enough. I went, nope, you're not turning this around on me. And I just blocked her. I was like, I don't, I have nothing more to say to her. And then she chimes into the thread, our like big group thread. She's oh, like, yeah. Steve asked me to drop out, blah, blah, blah. And I went, yep. And I just kicked her out. <laughs> I was like, I'm not letting her bring poison into this thread. Because that's what she was trying to do. She was trying to rally the troops around her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like when I brought it up in the thing, no one said shit. Yeah. They're like, thank goodness she's kind of gone. No one said shit. So <laughs> where it's funny because like in the group I'm in now, I went through a phase there probably about four months ago where I had to cancel like three weeks in a, not necessarily in a row, like con- not consecutively. And I was like, guys, I'm canceling so much because of work. I understand if you guys just want to move forward without me, find somebody else. Because they were talking about a friend of theirs who wanted to join. And I was like, eh, if you want him to join, I understand. Like, I, I recognize. I gave yeah, them me out because I was like, I, I don't want to do this to you. You're trying to plan a campaign. I recognize this problem. And they all came out and they were just like, no, we know that if you're canceling, it's important because you wouldn't be doing it otherwise. You're you're still in the fucking group. And I'm like, OK, thanks, guys. <laughs> it was just so sweet because they knew I wasn't just flippantly canceling. Because they know me better than that. And then and I haven't shown them evidence that I didn't care about the campaign like she had. We're just kind of like, yeah, it was an afterthought. And then when she shows up, she's also not giving it her all either. She's kind of half-assing it, you know. Right. right. And yeah, and that's the other thing. She was difficult. Like you play, I said, you played with her. Yeah. Difficult like to play was, with. Yeah. And the, and the character you played with was. Out there. <laughs> was out there to the point where. Like where it was unplayable. Like what is happening right now? Is this her or is this the character? I don't know what's going on. So she played a wizard who had lost her memory and basically was like schizophrenic. Yeah. And like had a notebook that she wrote things in, but she wrote things over and over and over again to the point where it was just like a bunch of symbols. And she was in love with my character too. She was in love with your character. But I remember there was... There was like... There's a mechanic in the game we played where she was supposed to be on watch... And she rolled well, and instead of telling you guys about danger, she drew a picture of it in her book, and you guys walked into a trap. Yeah. That went great. That was great. And it was just one of those. I remember after that, there was like, all right, well, I guess we can never put trust her to do anything. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not a thing. Um, the, other, the other issue, and this is um, – we can talk about this. Have – and this is something I carries over me from improv days. Mm. Um, have you ever had like a player that just pimps out the DM too much? What do you mean by pimps out? So that's a, a like an improv term. At least that's where I learned it. Where 
you like you you hang someone out to dry with expectations oh like it's all on you now basically kind of thing or like yeah and i heard he had a dog that spoke with an australian accent and then you look at the other actor <laughs> oh, like, damn it. You, like you pimp them out to be the dog with the australian accent. now i gotta do that because yes now, and. <laughs> there are some games that that's the premise like if you ever watch whose lines that anyway there's the superhero game where everybody introduces the next superhero you're, kind of, you're kind of trying to screw up the other person yeah, yeah right. and that's the point of the game but right. most improv that is not the point <laughs> you're trying to help your teammates not screw them over <laughs> um, so anybody who's like just set like like a, an insane backstory that then the dm has to try to figure out <laughs> uh not too much because unfortunately I just, I just say this truthfully i've not played with enough people that are, are like me who want to do a lot of role playing and interesting okay. story building um my buddy AJ, uh, who was in that original campaign with Chris that we talked about, he was very big into the story building, but he also was kind of in the edgelord territory where everything was really intense about his backstory. He's big, serious soldier guy. Whereas like I've, I want to be in more groups of people who are just like really having fun getting into the story and character elements. And that would be a big opportunity for them to pimp out the DM and say like, and my backstory is this giant, huge concept that you now have to deal with. <laughs> but I haven't been in a lot of groups that have people like that. They're all more in the mechanics type people and not a lot of the character building people. Um, I didn't notice it as a player. Now that I've been the DM, I've been pimped out a few times. Ah. And basically what I found is like, if I don't want to do it, I don't do it. Yeah, that's fair. That's on them. Like, because this is the thing. I don't run homebrews. I run modules, things that already exist. And I'll make little adjustments here or there, but I'm not going to gonna make an entire storyline. Explain to our audience what homebrew is so they know just in case. Oh, uh, yeah. Homebrew is like if you came up with a story and a universe and a place that you wanted to explain and a big bad guy and their evil plot. Like if you wanted to come with your own original idea, you, you didn't would get run it from a homebrew book. campaign. Yeah. You didn't get it from a book. Uh, but then there are these things that are already exist that are published by Wizards of the Coast called modules, mm -hmm. which are pre-generated adventures. Right. And there is a little bit of difference where sometimes things can happen in different orders and that sort of stuff. But for the most part, every part is can. And that's what I have time in my life for right now. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so, like, I will customize maybe a specific encounter. Or I'll be take something advantageous like uh, in this last one. I the actually it's finishing up in the next one or two sessions. Uh, the campaign I'm doing Dragons of Ice Fire Peak. We had a paladin in the party who served this god. The, the, the Dawnbringer or the Lord of Light or something. I can't remember <laughs> the name of it. Uh, and so I do a little bit of research about uh and, and he and his whole thing is that he wants to to like defeat the forces of evil so that he can ascend ranks in this like church or association he's in great great easy goal gives me stuff to work with without pimping me out so i look it up and talos who's like a god of evil god of storms and chaos mm. uh is an enemy of his order and they happen to have a presence in this module mm-hmm there's like three or four things where they go and they fight disciples of Talos. And so with a few small adjustments, I was able to advantageously gear that towards him and allow him to ascend ranks. Hmm. And it was special for him. It was good for him. And I didn't really have to do anything. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm okay with stuff like that. Uh, but I've got uh, 
a, the the woman that we actually just invited. The the, the I said we need new blood, and can we please be diverse? Right. Um. She has a, a good backstory to begin with, and she might listen to this. I don't think so, but maybe. Um. Where it's she's like a, a royalty, but she's not only the the girl, but she's she's not even the oldest. So her older brother is, is set to take the throne or mm-hmm. become the, the lord. And so she runs away. She's always like the outdoors more. She was always the mischievous type. It's like a classic archetype. Yeah, the Elsa. Right, right, the Elsa. Uh, but then her brother gets killed. And now her father wants her back because he needs to marry her off to oh. solidify the king's position. And so he sends men after her. That's a good backstory. I like it. And then, and then there's also the open end of like, was her brother murdered? And if so, are they after her? Now, like, there's good stuff in there yeah. and threads for me to pull. But then, <laughs> so Uh-oh. this is that's that, that's so great. <laughs> but then she's like, then after running away from the kingdom, I headed north and I ran into a village where I settled down for a while and met a mysterious man and his daughter who came to the town a few years before. And then the town was beset by giants who pillaged the town and ransacked it and stole a girl. And I was able to lead a resistance against them and rout them from the land. But then they all headed north into the into the dale, which is where this all takes place. Jesus. <laughs> so now I want to find out why they took the girl and where they were going and what their evil plot was. And I'm like, nope, that's too. Nope. That is complicated. Good for her, though. That is complicated as fuck. That's great. And for a homebrew, <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. I would love to use that, but not for a module where I'm going to have to create an entire part of the adventure <laughs> to make this happen. Well, you know what's great? I discovered today because I was researching uh, one shots, which are basically D&D sessions you can play over one session with maybe some new people and stuff. But not thinking about how a lot of these one shots that are created can be just added to campaigns that already exist. So, oh, yeah. So things like that, where she wants that adventure to happen, that could be a one shot for one session that you find already pre-made. But kind of form it to what she's talking about, which is kind of helpful, which I well, never, thought, I never thought to do that before, which is kind of neat. The like very first quest they go on after like the initial getting their quest uh, happens to feature a giant. And so now she's like stuck on it. Oh, she's like, is that the giant? Yeah. She's like, I want to go back and question him when we're a little bit more powerful and figure out and maybe, maybe follow him or do some reconnaissance. I'm like, oh my God, stop. And she's new to this or she's been playing for a while? She is not new to role playing. I was going to say, she doesn't sound like it. She sounds like she's pretty experienced. (laughs) Um, And that's, that's another one of my bugaboos. Yeah. That's, that's a bugaboo is people that create level one characters that have no business being level one characters. And that's the thing is some people, when they say, uh, my my rule is I always if I have a question about if if like a, a DM says to me, no, you can't do that. I have one question before I become annoying and it doesn't matter as much. So if I'll be like, but can I do it because of this? I can bring that up. I can say one question and if the DM still says no. I move on. Even yeah. If you don't think he's wrong. He or she is wrong. I'll just be like, OK, we're moving on because you can bring it up because sometimes the DM will say, oh. Oh shit, you're right because you have that power, right? Okay, cool. And then they'll they'll fix it. But if even if they even if you know you're right, you ask the one question, the DM says, "No, just move on." Just cuz you don't know what's going on, don't argue, just keep going. That's my rule. <laughs> uh no, I just had that with a player actually in the same group. Um <laughs> where uh they were they were breaking into like the giant's lair to find some some stolen goods. And the giant came in and he like moved into the scene and yelled at an ogre to go get something. And then it was back to the top of the initiative. And basically the way I had it in my head, I was like, when we get to the end of their turn, I'll have this narrative thing happen. Right. 
and then he'll come into initiative on the next turn. And so I like he comes in, he yells at this guy, blah, blah, blah. And then we start at the top of the initiative and then it, and then it gets to his turn because he rolled pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, he runs up to you and he smashes you with this club. And one of my players is like, wait, why does he get to go twice? I go, he didn't get to go twice. He moved into the scene. Right. And this is his first turn. Well, I don't understand how he gets to take two actions before I take mine. And I was like, he didn't take an action. He didn't attack. He didn't take a bonus action. He didn't do anything mechanic. He walked in. Yeah. Like, and, and, <laughs> and, he, and he was like, I just don't understand why he gets to do two things where I get one. I go, if you want to retcon it <laughs> and I came in and take an action, we can do that. Ooh. And then it'll still be my turn again. Because <laughs> it was part of the narrative, you bastard. It was part of the narrative. But if you want to make it part of the turn, we can do that. <laughs> and he can hit you twice. Uh, and and Alice and uh, the, the new woman actually said, uh, or maybe he's the GM and he can do what he wants. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yes. That's, that's a valuable right. player. That's a valuable player. <laughs> But that's the thing. Always, if you think something's wrong, politely ask a clarification or offer a new piece of information of why you think that might not be right. And if they still throw it back at you, just move on and politely move on. But it's yeah. it's good to it's sometimes the DM needs a reminder. I know if I'm DMing, I always want help from my players to know what their characters can do because I can't remember every detail of what your characters can do. So like, oh if, yeah, there's so many times I go, oh that sounds awesome. Can you remind me what that is? Yeah, what is that? Is how does that work? I cast <laughs> blah blah blah. Great. What does that do? <laughs> exactly. And then so if they're wrong, they'll probably if they're a good DM, be like, oh yeah, yeah, shit. That never mind. That doesn't work. Uh, I'll do this. But just move on after that first questioning. That's just a good idea. <laughs> Don't be a, a toxic player, basically. But oh, um man. yeah, I, I I basically the last thing I was just gonna say is that I have I for the longest time had two groups going. Um and I loved all the guys and gals in my groups, but I had one group that was strictly sticking by a module and there was no real room for imp- improvisation and not a lot of room for goofing around. What module was it? Um, this was uh, called Zeitgeist for uh, Pathfinder. Ugh. It was just Ugh. very in the in the weeds, like a lot of lore and stuff that I couldn't keep track of. Um, and then I have my other group who I've been with in for years as well, and I'm still with them to this day. Um and we just we goof around. There's a lot of homebrew stuff going on because these the two DMs that kind of switch off. They're both very steeped in the lore and stuff, so they know what they're doing. Um, three DMs of count one, the girl who also is really good at it. Um, we'll call her uh, uh, witness. <laughs> Super close to her name. Can I get a witness? Because <laughs> you knew her in high school. Um, yep. But anyways, uh, they, they all are good DMs. They know they're doing. So they do a lot of homebrew stuff. Um, and it's just that we can improvise. We can goof around. We drink. We have a good time. And that's why I think DM the heart of it. Our, our thing doesn't dragon should be in tabletop role playing games is having fun with your friends. But like like we said earlier. You got to structure some of that. Otherwise, there's no, no structure to it. And you're just kind of goofing around. And so the fun part is also the progressing in the story. Um, that's what makes it fun. But as we move into Halloween, you have a Halloween thing coming up soon, don't you, for, for a tabletop role play? Yeah. And I don't even have to run it. What is it all about? What is What kind of thing is this? So we were going to have somebody miss. And I was going to run anyway, because I'm fine running down one, sometimes two, depending on the size of the group. And uh, the new woman said, hey, instead of that, how about I run a spooky Halloween one shot? Yeah, great. And she said, I'm going to run it and call Cthulhu. And I said, no, I'm good. Oh, you guys have fun. You don't like that system? 
no, I do not care for Call of Cthulhu. I look, I play fantasy games to like escape <laughs> from reality. I don't want to play a gritty, realistic, dark fantasy game. That's just yeah. not what I want to do. So folks out there, basically Call of Cthulhu is its own system, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, the game system. And it's where it's very cool and very interesting and different, but it, you definitely die a lot in that game. And it's just it's visceral yeah. and die. You go insane. But like if you get shot with a gun, you die. Basically, you're, you're dead. Yeah, You get stabbed. You might get stabbed a second time, but you die. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, and there's like far too many skills and far too many things to be good at. Um, but no, it's just not my cup of tea. And I said, you guys can absolutely meet and I'll just take the week off. And she said, how about, how about Dungeon Dragons five? And I said, yes, I'll play that. <laughs> uh, and so it's some sort of like, we work for the church and we've been sent to investigate undead something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I made this asinine character, just asinine. Uh, because she said you can spend 500 golds or whatever you want and pick one magic item. That's a lot of money. And then, and someone asked, well, what rarity of magic item? How powerful? And she basically said, whatever. Ooh. It's like, what are you thinking? <laughs> and she made like a vague threat of like, but if you pick something too powerful, there will be consequences. And I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, All right. <laughs> if you don't want to set boundaries, anything's fair game. <laughs> Uh, so I made this this absolutely asinine character with the goofiest stats ever, who I'm just playing as a 71 year old cleric <laughs> who's got he's got negative one dexterity and negative one strength. He's old as hell, <laughs> but I made him like super knowledgeable and wise. And he like wants to prove he still belongs in the field. Um, But because of this weird setup she gave us, I was able to do this insane thing. Just insane. Mm-hmm. With free healing and lots of really good spells and and really high armor, I've got twenty AC. And you're only level four, right? Yeah, level four with twenty AC and eight strength. Just for the record, all those things occur. Eight strength, right? Eight strength and eight decks. <laughs> uh, and I have. Uh, and I'll nerd out for a second. We've been nerding this whole time, but whatever. I'll get specifically nerdy. Uh, the new fighting style interception mm-hmm. is amazing. It's amazing. It's basically a once per round free heal. Yeah, because it takes the, the damage from someone else, basically. Is that what it was? You, you use your reaction, and if somebody within five feet of you is hit, you can interpose either a sword or your shield, like a weapon or a shield, to reduce the damage by 1d10 plus 2. Mm-hmm. So that's an average of seven and a half damage per turn that I will just be blocking as long as I position myself correctly. Basically, if you're near an ally, you can lunge forward and block an attack going towards them with your shield or sword and right. take a and lot so of that, damage away. That's, that's like a free healing word every turn. Without having any strength, which is great. Without having any strength and without having to spend a spell slot. There you go. Oh, man, I'm good. What book so was that from? Uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything is the one that introduced the additional yeah, fighting styles, including an unarmed fighting style, which finally makes fighting with bare fists feasible. Be a monk. Uh, there's a crazy. I also have a crazy astral monk build that <laughs> is is also insane for different reasons. Uh, but I, that's one thing I'll say about D&D. Like, I was never good at science mm. or math. But for whatever reason, I am a goddamn engineer. 
when at it making comes characters to making weird asinine characters in D&D 5e, finding weird interactions, finding ways to accomplish very specific things with a character. For whatever reason, I can do that. That's good. I need to send you my uh, Minotaur that I'm currently playing because I need to make him better at, ta- at taking out spellcasters. Okay. Because he can't what cancel any he? spells. Um, he's level 11 now, I think. So you have three attacks. Did you multi-class? No, maybe he's 10. 10. Okay, because 11 you get... Did you multi-class? Yeah, or he's, no? he's one level rogue. Okay, so at 12 you'll get your third attack. Because my problem is I have all the grapple stuff in play. I'm a big grappler. Yeah, so basically, guys, my awesome. Minotaur is a wrestler. Awesome. This was on Steven's recommendation. I love. It was great at first, but now we're encountering spellcasters where... When I grapple them, it doesn't matter that they're grappled because their spell components is spoken. So they can still cast their spells when I have them grappled. And so like I'm like I f- feel useless against spellcasters. I'm like I'm this giant minotaur and somehow I'm not even doing any any difference to the group because I'm just grappling the spellcaster who's still spellcasting at them. And I'm like this sucks. Like how can I make this better? <laughs> so spellcast so is your issue that it's spellcasting at other players or at you? Either. I think the last case, it was something they casted on the group and I like I couldn't stop it and I felt powerless. I was like, I didn't help. Like, I didn't help these guys because I had this guy grappled and it didn't matter because he could still yell out a spell at them. And I was like, I guess I need to announce that I'm covering his mouth or something. (laughs) No, I mean, if you I mean, if you just hit 10 with that, you probably just got an ASI, right? What's an ASI? Ability score improvement. Oh, I don't we can talk about this not on the. Podcast. Yeah, we will. But I'm just saying I need to get Steve's help because Steve's very good. As he said, he's he's coming to his own with the engineering sense of building I'm his a characters. Goddamn mechanic. And he and but you do a lot of research. You watch a lot of I videos. Can barely make Legos happen, but for some <laughs> reason, you watch a lot of videos. You have some research and reading. You know your In stuff. In just seven days, I can make you a man. <laughs> I'll make a man out of you. Uh, and I'm running a one shot for Halloween. I'm excited about it. I don't DM too often, um, but I'm doing a, a pre-made module by a third party person made a module for D&D 5e. Um, it's I called, read through a little bit of it. It looks it, pretty spooky. It's spooky and fun. And it, it's very based off of Edgar Allan Poe. It's called The Mask of the Worm. My D&D group can't know that, but they don't listen to this podcast. So that's OK. They won't know. Um, and, and they're dead to me. Yeah. And plus, it'll come. This podcast will come out after Halloween is done. So they won't even hear it. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's going to be fun and uh, it's short and sweet. And always if if you're thinking about DMing out there, it can be easy if you get a good module. It's written well. It kind of guides you through it. You don't have to be super experienced. Like Steve said, you're not making a giant uh, homebrew campaign. I mean, hell, there's even some modules where they say when they get to this door, read this. Exactly. Like, there are some that are that specific. Some like hold your hand completely throughout the whole thing. Yeah. So not that bad. But. But anyways, that's our experience. We're still very much steeped in it in our in our mid to late thirties, uh, steeped into D and D, and don't plan quitting anytime soon. That's right. Uh, well, I think that brings us to the end of the Sappy Crab Podcast. That's Thanks right. Thanks for joining us, and come back next time when we talk about something so hard hitting. We don't even know what it is yet. I don't know either. Yeah, and thanks for joining us down this delightful stumble down gaming memory lane. And don't forget, the good old days weren't always that good. This podcast was brought to you by A Play on Nerds. <laughs>